0: Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition Facts Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger. Now I know I've made a name for myself in explaining how not to do certain things, just look at my books, How Not to Die, and my upcoming book, How Not to Diet. But what I want to share with you is actually quite positive. What's the best way to live a healthy life? Here are some answers. A few months ago, I met up with the amazing actress and producer Gianna Simone for an interview. In this 30 minute conversation, Gianna and I discussed healthy pregnancies, the science of soy, supplements, and more. Enjoy.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Love Gianna. Today I'm here with the incredible Dr. Greger.
0: Happy to be here.
1: Please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a leader in the field nutritionfacts.org and any books that you've written that you'd like to talk about.
0: Wow, I <laughs> am a physician I'm specializing in lifestyle medicine, using diet and exercise to not only prevent disease but to treat and reverse it as well. And it all really goes back to my grandma. I, uh, you know, I think the spark for many kids to want to be a doctor when they grow up is watching a grandparent get sick or even die, but for me, it was watching my grandma get better. Uh, She uh, was diagnosed with end-stage heart disease. Uh, Already had so many bypass surgeries, nothing more the the, the doctors could do. She was uh, sent home in a wheelchair to die crushing chest pain. But then she heard about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, one of our early lifestyle medicine pioneers, and what happened next is actually detailed in Pritikin's biography. They talk about Francis Greger, my grandma. She, uh, um, uh, she was one of his early patients, She's featured in his biography um, as one of his uh, early success stories. They wheeled her in and, and she walked out. A few weeks later, she's walking 10 miles a day and though she was given her medical death sentence at age 65, thanks to a healthy diet, was able to enjoy another 31 years on this planet until age 96 to continue to enjoy her six grandkids, including me. And So that's why I went into medicine. That's why I practice the type of medicine I do, lifestyle medicine. Uh, That's why I started NutritionFacts.org. That's why I wrote the book, How Not to Die. Um, That's why all the proceeds from all my books all go to charity. I just want to do for your family what uh, Pritikin did for my family.
1: That's amazing. First question, how much fat and protein do we need daily? What are the best sources? And how much should athletes be eating?
0: Well, you know, we don't eat macronutrients, we don't eat micronutrients, we eat food. And I think uh, that's one of the ways in which the food industry is able to become a trillion dollar, the processed food industry become a trillion dollars, because if you just care about carbs or fat or protein or magnesium, vitamin C, whatever, they can give you you know, junk food to match you want, paleo junk food, we'll give you vegan junk food, we'll give you fat-free junk food, we'll give you, I mean, any kind of junk food you want because it's all about macronutrients or it's all about whatever particular thing, right? On Fruit Loops, they can say with fiber, vitamin D, with all this stuff, right? And that gives us this kind of health halo when in fact, it should all be about food, and the reason people don't talk about food is there's no money to be made in food. In fact, produce goes bad. It's like the worst possible investment. There's no markup value, right? Can't sit on the shelf like a Twinkie for a couple of weeks. And look, even a broccoli grower is not going to put an ad on TV for broccoli because you know they'll just you know you'll, they'll just buy a competitor's broccoli. There's just no money to be made. You're never going to see an ad on TV for sweet potatoes, right? Because there's just no money to be made. That's not where the profit is. The system is set up to reward just the unhealthiest, but most profitable behavior. And so, I mean, so I mean that's just kind of falling into the food industry's trap, to speak of kind of this reductionist view of nutrients, as opposed to food, like what's the best food, right? So like, are carbs good or bad for you? Well, carbs are jelly beans or kidney beans, lentils or lollipops. They're both carbs, but right, right? I mean, so fat, fats, walnuts, or lard, right, right? I mean, so. Um, so that's why you can't talk about it. That's why the industry wants you to talk like that, but really has to come down to, what are, the, what are the healthiest foods? So like, look, the dairy industry can say that calcium in dairy. Yeah. You know what else is in dairy? It's the number one source of saturated fat in this country. People think, well, steak or something. No. Number one source of saturated fat is calcium. Yes, the number one source of dairy, but yes, there's protein in pork. Yes, there's iron in beef, right? But what about the baggage? that comes along with all those nutrients, right? I mean, yeah, as much as you know, Burger King says you can have it your way, you can't be like, yeah, can I get the protein, but you know, hold the saturated fat, hold the hormones, hold the cholesterol. Right, no, it's a package, food is a package deal, right? So, anything about that was, so if you get your calcium from you know, dark green leafy vegetables instead, right? Then it's like, well, the baggage is actually a bonus. You get the fiber and the folate and the iron and the antioxidants, all these things missing. Um, from kind of the dairy source. So that's how we think in terms of food. So if you ask me, what are the best foods that happen to have fat in them? Well, it'd be nuts, seeds, avocados, right? Because then it's just, well, you just get the bonus instead of the baggage. In terms of protein sources, anyone who doesn't know how to get protein on a plant-based diet doesn't know beans, right? Beans, flippies, chickpeas, lentils, legumes, are are the protein superstars of the plant kingdom. Um, and then also some I mean, whole grains and nuts and seeds, all sorts of things. So whole, whole plant foods are the healthiest way to get almost all your nutrients. Um, and that's really, I think, how we should think about those macronutrients.
1: Question number two: What are your thoughts on alkaline and distilled water, and which is best for athletes?
0: Uh, most of the kind of alkaline water uh, nonsense is just bogus, scam kind of stuff. I have a video on nutritionfacts.org that goes into the science around that. Um, distilled water just kind of seems a waste of energy um, to me. I mean, it's just uh, same thing with like... Uh, you know, the kind of reverse osmosis distillation is just a very kind of wasteful process. Um, uh, but and you know, you get rid of a few little trace minerals, but that's not really the issue. You, I mean, tap water um, is uh, the, typically the cheapest, safest source of, uh, of drinking water.
1: What about fluoride in it?
0: Um, fluoride is the reason why we uh, don't grow old and lose all our teeth.
1: <laughs> Should we be consuming fluoride though?
0: Um, it's not necessary, but uh, from a public health standpoint, rich people can go to the dentist and afford all sorts of gizmos, ultrasonic gizmos for their teeth. But from a public health scale, I mean, that's how you reach Um, impoverished populations, which may not have the dental care that you have, and so if you have a dental problem, no big deal, go to the dentist, right? But if they have a dental problem, they could lose their teeth, which means losing a lot of their nutrition or being in chronic pain. Um, And certainly from a public health standpoint, um, fluoridated water is, in fact, according to the Centers for Disease Control, one of the greatest uh, public health innovations over the last century.
1: Question number three. Are there any guidelines or special tips for women who choose to eat a plant-based diet while pregnant and who also choose to raise children plant-based after the breast milk stage is over?
0: When you're eating for two, it's just that much more critical to get all the nutrition you need. Um, And so it's basically all the same advice you would give to anyone consuming a healthy diet, consuming a plant-based diet, critically important, vitamin B12. Um, so there's two new, there's two vitamins that aren't made by plants. One's vitamin D, which is made by animals, such as yourself. When you walk outside, it's the sunshine vitamin. And the other one's vitamin B12, not made by plants, not made by animals either, made by little microbes that blanket the earth. So, you know, we could get all the B12 we needed drinking on you know, well water, or mountain stream or something a long time ago, but now we chlorinate our water supply, kill off any bacteria. So don't get a lot of B12 in our water anymore. Don't get a lot of cholera either. It's a good thing that we live in a nice sanitary world. Um, but because of that, we need to get um, uh, a regular, reliable source of B12. Critically important, particularly for pregnant women, but for everybody. Um, um, uh, during pregnancy, iodine is a critical um, a mineral, often missing from prenatal vitamins. So it's important if you're getting a prenatal uh, to make sure it has iodine. Um, recommend daily allowance is 150 micrograms a day.
1: And for children being raised vegan, do you recommend any books or um, any videos to watch? Is that something that you would recommend to raise children, whole food, plant-based?
0: Should we raise our kids healthy? I say yes, indeed. Um, uh, so And so does the most esteemed pediatrician in human history, Dr. Benjamin Spock, in the seventh edition of Child and Baby Care, which is like one of the best-selling books um, ever. Uh, second only to the Bible, perhaps in this country, um, where um, in his last edition, uh, he wrote in his 90s before he died, uh, recommended that all children be raised with zero exposure to meat and dairy. I mean, he did that because he could see what the grandparents were dying from, see this uh, burgeoning childhood um, obesity epidemic. So, absolutely, um, we should raise our um, uh, children the healthiest possible way. That means not having them smoke cigarettes, uh, that means having them. Put in seat seatbelts, smoke alarms in the home, a whole food plant-based diet, really basic, simple, you know. And so, you know, ADA, the, 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 well, what's now the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics, in their official position paper says, you know, strictly plant-based diets are appropriate for all stages of the lifestyle, including pregnancy and infancy and on through old age, um, so, so absolutely. Um, we should all be uh, raising healthy kids. In fact, Dr. Scott Stoll is currently writing a book on raising vegan kids. He's got six, so he, wow. knows, he knows one or two things about it.
1: <laughs> okay, number four, please help explain soy and hormones and why both men and women need not fear it.
0: Uh, um, yes, soy yes is a misunderstood bean all sorts of nuttiness out on the internet. But look at the science, though. It's really just kind of remarkable scientific consensus. Um, in terms of humans, I mean, the, the, the laboratory animal studies, uh, depends if you're a hamster or a rat, has different kind of, or different strains of mice have different effects. But when we finally had human data, um, so, for example, breast cancer is a—you uh, um, uh, you see concerns on the internet about look, soy has phytoestrogens. And you think of estrogen receptor-positive breast cancer. Should uh, you know uh, women with breast cancer be eating soy? Um, uh, and so we didn't know until 2004, the first study that actually put it to the test and actually followed breast cancer survivals—some that ate soy, some that didn't—just to see who lived longer, um, who had less uh, um, breast cancer recurrence. And in that study, and in all five studies um, done to date, every single one found that uh, women with breast cancer, whether estrogen receptor positive or negative, whether on tamoxifen or not, whatever, all consistently greater survival, put them all together, greater survival, lower uh, cancer recurrence rate. Um, and so we've known that uh, eating soy, particularly during adolescence, can reduce the risk of getting breast cancer in the first place, but now we know um, associated with improved survival as well. So wait a second. How is that possible when it has estrogenic effects? Well, no. see, you don't understand. There's actually two types of estrogen receptors. Alpha. It's a long story. Alpha, beta. So basically, um, your own estrogen, your endogenous estrogen produced by your ovaries, is uh, attaches preferentially to the alpha receptor. Soy uh, attaches to the, a different uh, type of estrogen receptors. And so it matters. The effects of soy on the body matters on the on the ratio of these different receptors in different uh, organs of the body. And so, it actually has pro-estrogen effects where you want it, like in the bone, skeleton actually reduces um, a bone loss. Um, compared to, to dairy milk, for example, in studies of soy milk. Um, but it has anti estrogenic effects where you want it, for example, in the breast, reducing breast cancer risk um, and improving breast cancer survival. So it's what's called a selective estrogen receptor modulator, fancy term for um, basically the best of all worlds. Uh, so reduces hot flashes, reduces hot flashes, anti estrogen effect, um, uh, strengthens the bones, pro effect, reduces breast cancer risk. Um, and so uh, it's a, I mean, you don't have to eat any, all the legumes are, are healthy. Um, but, and I encourage people to eat whole soy uh, sources, like so edamame, immature green soybeans, you get frozen bags of it, um, sprinkle on your salad, fantastic choice, um, tempeh, miso, these are all whole soy foods, as opposed to some of the more processed stuff. But, uh, um, super healthy. And so you look at the scientific literature, um, it's clear I've got tons of videos about it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that you just, you just, don't believe the craziness you read on the internet.
1: And just for the the males out there that oh. are concerned that they might grow breasts or something like that from soy, can can we help <laughs> um, debunk that for for men so they don't fear it as well?
0: Sure. So um, there were so there's three case reports in literature of gynecomastia with excessive soy consumption, but by excessive they were literally drinking gallons of soy milk a day. So I forget. I mean, I think that some people like. 40 servings of soy a day and at that level you can actually get enough alpha receptor activity to actually have proestrogenic effects. So um, so the answer is uh, you know not to avoid soy but not drink four gallons of soy milk a day.
1: So so men aren't going to grow breasts if they're eating soy here and there and no in, in fact no, in
0: fact be healthy. I mean so soy consumption in men associated with lower prostate cancer risk, which is the number one cancer killer specific to men.
1: Okay, question number five. Can a whole food plant-based diet help heal autoimmune diseases like thyroid issues and colitis?
0: Uh, So uh, eating an anti-inflammatory diet, no surprise, um, can be one of the best dietary treatments for um, inflammatory disease in general, including autoimmune disease. So for example, multiple sclerosis, which is an autoimmune disease where your body attacks your own nerves. The single best recorded intervention, uh, medical, surgical, anything, no drugs ever beaten out of plant-based diet, uh, Roy Swank's um, uh, anti-MS diet. So the most effective, so it's not just safer, cheaper. No, the most effective treatment ever published in the peer-reviewed scientific medical literature Plant-based diet. Crohn's disease, same thing, uh, a study out of Japan uh, using a plant-based diet. Um, be- some of the best relapse uh, prevention rates ever. Crohn's disease is an autoimmune uh, inflammatory bowel disease. Um, rheumatoid arthritis, one of the most powerful um, interventions uh, for rheumatoid arthritis, whether we're talking about you know, objective measures. Um, such as grip strength and, and inflammatory markers in the bloodstream, or just in terms of quality of life for people suffering from the des- these diseases. Autoimmune diseases, we just don't have uh, good data for. Um, we have data, so the uh, Adventist II study found that those um, who eat strictly plant-based diets have uh, the highest rates of what's called euthyroid, meaning normal thyroid function, um, uh, and so it may prevent... Um, uh, um, thyroid problems, but there's never been any study that actually put plant-based diets to the test in terms of treating um, uh, thyroid dysfunction. Unless we're talking about something like iodine deficiency, um, uh, there's other types of uh, uh, of uh, inflammatory disease that we don't have um, data for, but. It would make sense if it works for all these other autoimmune diseases, works for these other inflammatory diseases, even an anti-inflammatory diet um, would have this effect. And Part of that um, anti-inflammatory power is from the fiber. You say, fiber? I mean, when we think fiber, we think like bowel health or something, it's just kind of an inert substance. Not at all. We can't digest fiber, but our good gut bacteria can. We have trillions of bacteria in our gut, and we used to think that was just gut health, but now we know that our microbiome, our friendly flora down in our colon, Actually, can have effects on our immune system, even our psychological health. Um, and what do they eat? What do our good bugs eat? The prebiotics, which is fiber and resistant starch, found in abundance only one place: whole plant foods. Um, and some of these compounds have anti-inflammatory effects. Uh, they're breakdown products of fiber, then they get absorbed into your system, circulate throughout your body. So that's one of the reasons why plant-based diets are so anti-inflammatory.
1: Number six, what are your thoughts on vitamins and supplements, vegan-based, either taken orally or intravenously like vitamin C drips?
0: Oh, well, uh, certainly vitamin B12, critically important for anyone consuming a healthy diet. So uh, I'd recommend 2,500 micrograms of what's called Cyanica which is the cheapest source. Um, uh, Once a week is all you need, costs less than five bucks a year, get all the B12 you need, but critically important for a regular, reliable source. Um, uh, If you're not getting enough sun, so um, uh, now if you're a if you're light skinned enough, and young enough, and thin enough, and live at a latitude that's uh, sunny enough, then uh, getting you know, 10, 15 minutes of, uh, of midday sun, get all the vitamin D you need. But it doesn't matter how sunny it is if you're stuck in a desk job all day, not getting outside. Um, and so in which case you'd uh, need to supplement your diet with vitamin D, the Sunshine Vitamin. I recommend 2,000 international units of vitamin D3 a day. Um, uh, but, so I mean, intravenous vitamin C um, has been used um, uh, has been used as a as a cancer treatment um, uh, the, going back to uh, the 1970s um, with uh, Linus Pauling's work. Um, it was since um, interesting kind of debunked by Mayo Clinic, um, where they gave people a whole bunch of vitamin C, didn't see the kind of miraculous results that were originally seen, but they were using oral. Um, vitamin C. And we used to think, well, oral vitamin C is the same as intravenous vitamin C. But no, our body actually clamps down on vitamin C absorption. At very small doses, it doesn't matter either way. You absorb it all. But once your body gets over about uh, 200, 250 uh, milligrams of vitamin C, which is about 5, servings of fruits and vegetables worth, um, your body starts clamping, that's a little too much, your body starts clamping down on absorption. So they actually weren't exposed to the same amount. Um, and so uh, I have a whole series of, uh, of uh, videos on intravenous vitamin C for cancer. If you're interested in that, I encourage people to check it out.
1: Should we be cooking, cruci- your favorite, should Ooh. we be cooking cruciferous Ooh. vegetables like steaming broccoli or is blending raw kale in a smoothie effective enough? And is it bad for the thyroid to eat them raw?
0: Oh my god, we should eat cruciferous vegetables in whichever way gets us to eat the most of them. You like raw broccoli? Eat raw broccoli. You like steamed broccoli? Eat steamed broccoli. Whichever way will get you to eat the most. In fact, cruciferous vegetables are one of my daily dozen. If you go to, uh, it's a free app on iPhone, Android, Dr. Greger's Daily Dozen. Um, I talk about all the foods I encourage people to get on a uh, fit into their daily routine. So. You know, uh, gr- uh, you know, greens every day—the healthiest vegetable. Uh, you know, beans every day, berries every day—the healthiest fruits. Tablespoon of ground flax seeds, of, tea, of turmeric. You know, how much? You know, the uh, how much, uh, you know, the, uh, the best beverages, the best sweeteners. How much exercise to get every day? Every just to kind of inspire people to try to fit some of the healthiest of healthy foods into the diet. And one of those boxes that encourage people to tick off every day—you're not going to fit. You're not, gonna, you're not going to. You're uh, not going to check off the day unless you get some form of cruciferous vegetables. Um, Which is uh, about a half cup of cooked uh, cruciferous vegetables about a cup uncooked and so that's like kale collars and bok choy and uh, Brussels sprouts and all the and collard greens all these wonderful uh, greens and so basically, however you get into your diet, the better. Um, uh, during the summertime, green smoothies is, uh, is a great go-to way to get greens in your breakfast, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and uh, you can even kind of smash some white beans into my oatmeal just to get my legumes. Got to check those off. Um, but uh, yeah, no, put them in a smoothie. Put them anywhere. As long as you're getting your greens, that's the most important thing. Um, now, uh, you can overdo, I mean... You you can't overdo uh, raw cruciferous vegetables has these so-called goitrogenic compounds um, which are found in lots of healthy foods not only broccoli but also flax seeds and a number of other healthy things but the answer is not to avoid these really healthy foods is just to get enough iodine. So because these uh, good genetic compounds just interfere with the uptake of iodine into the thyroid gland. So if you're actually marginally not getting enough iodine, then eating a lot of raw cruciferous can actually um, affect your levels. So the answer, you just make sure you're getting a source of iodine. The healthiest one is sea vegetables so you can like munch on those seaweed snacks. Or just, then just like dark green leafies as a snack. Ah! <laughs> I mean, the more ways you can get them in your diet, um, the better. There was this famous case um, in the uh, New England Journal of Medicine, a woman who, I forget, it was like literally thousands of pounds of raw bok choy. She was on some crazy diet um, and actually did run into um, uh, thyroid problems. But, uh, okay. but yeah, so thousands of pounds. Okay, but...
1: It's like the soy. I,
0: I encourage people, <laughs> right. So, I mean, and you know, look, these are, we're talking about foods with medicinal effects. I mean, we should assume like... If you can eat as much, I mean, like, if there's an unlimited amount of something that you could be exposed to, it probably doesn't have much oomph to it, right? But the fact that, look, no, some of these foods can have powerful effects on our biology, so no surprise that there's a certain level at which you want to stay within. But thankfully, they're all easily within any kind of of typical culinary dose.
1: Number eight, is sprouting nuts, seeds, grains, and beans better for digestion? If so, Why?
0: Oh, well, see, um, the, part of the reason that people soak or sprout nuts is to get rid of the phytates. So there was this, uh, the, there was this thought, uh, based on studies on puppies back in the 50s, um, that phytates were mineral inhibitors. Um, and so that, uh, and the way you can get rid of the phytates, you soak nuts or you, or, or you sprout nuts, get rid of the phytates, and then you'd maximize your you know, calcium absorption and other important minerals. Um, but we now know, not only is that not the case, but actually phytates are actually healthy for you, actually beneficial effects. Um, of phytase. So we should really try to get as much phytase in our uh, our diet as possible. And the way we do that is by eating our nuts unsprouted, eating our nuts unsoaked. Um, uh, And so yeah, I encourage people to eat raw uh, nut seeds and nut and seed butters. The reason we'd rather not roast them is because of the formation of AGEs, advanced glycation end products, which are these glycotoxins uh, associated with increased risk of kidney disease and Alzheimer's and accelerated aging and all sorts of really bad things. And it's formed when high fat, high protein foods are exposed to extremely high heat, dry heat. And so almost all AGE exposure is meat. And so like barbecued hot dogs, so barbecue, grilling, uh, grilled chicken, that kind of thing extremely high. And so if you look at it, whereas plant foods have almost nothing, um, no matter what you do, I mean, you can grill bell pepper, you're not know, going kind to of, um, produce a problem, but there are rare plant foods that are high in uh, um, protein and fats, such as nuts, such as soy. So um, like, so we should really ideally should not, you know, like the black blackened, Cajun blackened tofu, not a good idea on a regular basis because of these AGs. so that's why we really shouldn't um, roast our nuts.
1: And why do you recommend nut butters as opposed to just the whole nut?
0: Oh, actually, whole nuts are better because you actually um, uh, chew down to little particles. No matter how well you chew, you typically only uh, fracture down to about uh, two millimeters, which is a thousand times larger than the particles found in nut butters. And the reason that's important is because um, those cell walls and those little cubes, which contain hundreds of thousands of intact walls, actually protect um, all the nutrients inside from absorption in your small intestine. And that creates Creates a bounty for our gut flora. Um, and so when we eat just um, acellular powder, a foods powdered for like flour products, even if it's 100% whole wheat flour, so if we eat uh, 100% whole wheat flour bread or pasta or something, we're getting all the nutrients. They didn't take away the fiber, but all the nutrients are out exposed to be absorbed. They get absorbed in the small intestine, leaving very little um, for our gut flora at the end. Whereas if you eat um, uh, if you eat whole, intact grains or whole beans, um, then there is actually um, uh, the, these little clumps of food that's left over for a good gut bacteria and that um, improves our, our gut health and improves our microbiome.
1: I love it. Since so much of our soil is depleted of minerals, where can we get great sources of minerals?
0: So that's a, so that's a, that's that's a, that's some scammy trace mineral seller talk. So, we actually look at crop nutrient decline um, over the last half century, maybe 15%. Uh, uh, and, but, I mean, so, people trying to sell you mineral supplements will make this, will, will say, oh, our crops are depleted uh, just because they're trying to sell you something. But we actually look at the data. I mean, the USDA tracks um, uh, nutrients in your soil going back a century. decrement. So that means, okay, instead of five florets of broccoli, now you have to eat six florets of broccoli instead of a half century ago. Fine, eat six florets of broccoli. There's no need to take um, mineral supplements.
1: Okay. Number 10, for people who say everyone's different, so we all require different diets. What is your advice on this? And does a whole food plant-based diet help us live longer, healthier lives, all of us?
0: Yeah, no, so, I mean, it's not like, I mean, like if you go to a, like at a zoo, like there's a gorilla diet, there's a lemur diet, there's a it's not like, oh, you're lemur number twelve, so you get some crazy diet. No, there's there's a diet that's naturally tuned to our biology. We evolved for millions of years. Um, uh, so you know, we broke from our last uh, great ape ancestor about 20 million years ago. So for the first 90% of our evolution, until um, about two million years ago, we ate what our fellow great apes eat, which is basically greens and fruit. We were a plant-based diet, almost exclusively plant-based diet. Um, and only in the last you know 10% of our evolution did we start uh, knowing how to make tools and hunting, etc. And so our biology is tuned to eating whole food plants. So no wonder that. The same kind of diet that reverses heart disease, the number one killer of men and women, is the same diet that also reverses diabetes, and the same diet uh, that reverses high blood pressure. And so a kidney healthy diet is a liver healthy diet, is a brain healthy diet, is a, right? And it all makes sense because, look, there are all these an anti-inflammatory diets, a diet that helps your arteries everywhere, throughout your body. I mean, look, if that's all a plant-based diet could do, reverse the number one killer of men and women, Shouldn't that be kind of the default diet to proven otherwise? And the fact that they can also uh, prevent arrest or reverse other eating killers would seem to make the case for plant-based eating simply
1: overwhelming. We have one bonus question. Bonus! What do you got? What is the most effective way to help people convert to being plant-based?
0: Um, so I, I think sharing resources. With them, so sometimes it's hard. People put up their defenses when someone, try. when anyone comes to us with some new idea that conflicts with what we believe. Right? There's just kind of this natural reaction to kind of want to hold on. So that's why sharing kind of third-party sources. Um, with here's a great documentary, here's a great website, here's a great book, and then you know they can kind of take it in on themselves. Um, and then kind of the motivation comes from within rather than feeling someone's trying to tell them to do something. So that's one of my favorite ways is just share, and share great food, mm-hmm. right? They have this sense that, oh yeah, it doesn't matter how, uh, will I live that long or just feel like I live that long? I mean, you know, I mean, but no, you, it's really the best of both worlds, right? Some of the yummy, like berries, right? Wait, wait a second, taste great and you get to live longer. That's what plant-based eating is all about.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Love, Gianna.
0: We would love it if you could share with us your stories about reinventing your health through evidence-based nutrition. Go to nutritionfacts.org forward slash testimonials. We may be able to share it on social media to help inspire others. To see any graphs, charts, graphics, images, or studies mentioned here, please go to the Nutrition Facts podcast landing page. There you'll find all the detailed information you need, plus links to all the sources we cite to each of these topics. NutritionFacts.org is a nonprofit, science-based public service where you can sign up for free daily updates on the latest in nutrition research via bite-sized videos and articles. Everything on the website is free. There's no ads, no corporate sponsorship. It's strictly non-commercial. I'm not selling anything. I just put it up as a public service, as a labor of love, as a tribute to my grandmother, whose own life was saved with evidence-based nutrition. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Facts. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger.